Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Activate Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Activate. For me, it's the first week, um, I'm one week down of holidays with my kids. Um, they finished school a, a week ago, and because... Um, you know, when it's winter, you can't just send them outside to play. And so that we kind of have been keeping them indoors. And I wouldn't say that they've reached cabin fever status yet, right? But I would say this is that when you keep uh, young children together in confined spaces over a period of time, like just bad stuff happens sometimes. And, and they always come to me. So this week, I, I, I've had to intervene in several situations, right? And it's really funny because every time they come, they always tell me about what the other one did, and they feel like they're ripped off, and it's like, it's unfair, and he did this to me, and I, they play this game. I don't know if you ever, you may have played this game. Some of you still do. It's this game where, where you know, like somebody touches you, and then you just touch them back. And you think that's the end of it, but then they touch you again, and then you got to touch them back. And then it's like, I've touched you, that's the end of the game, just quit it, just stop, like, you know, just leave it there. But they can't do it, and so they just keep pushing each other until it kind of turns into a wrestle, and then you got to break it up. And, and so my, my kids have been a little bit like that. They are like the justice police, but they're like bad police, like bad police because they, they want to receive grace, but they demand justice, you know? And, and so that's just, it's just kind of how they think, you know? My kids are also physicists, so um, they... They want everything to be even. They feel so hard done by so easily. So, so if I was pouring out like a soft drink for them or something, they will look at, you know, the three cups that are out there and they add a look like people would normally need scales to work this out. Not my kids, right? At a look, they are able to determine the exact milliliter and how many mils are in that, you know, cup. And they're like, hey, he's got more than me and she's got more than me. And it's like, it's not even. And just add a little bit more to me and take some out of theirs and put it in mine. It's like, that's just my kids, you know? And they want everything to be even. It feels unfair to them and they feel like they get ripped off all the time. Um, when kids grow up, they become adults that think the exact same way. And it's really easy as an adult to feel like things are unfair. It's really easy to feel like an, as an adult, like you've just been ripped off or treated unfair. And, and uh, you know, like you want it sometimes, like, you know, if we're going to be honest tonight and we're in church, so we're going to do that. Um, sometimes you just want to get even. All right. So, so let me give you a little story about where this happened to me in the last week. Um, so at my house, I have a window, a bay window that faces the street, and we have two trees that are between um, the window and the footpath, and so people will walk past one, and we lose them for a period of time, and they walk out the other side, and then they walk behind the second tree, and they exit on the other side. I'm trying to paint a picture. I hope you got it. So I'm looking out the window the other day, and I see this guy, and he uh, uh, is walking his dog, and they walk behind the first tree, and I wasn't really paying attention to it, but then they walked behind the second tree and they took a lot longer to come out, you know? And I didn't know what was going on behind that tree. And to be honest, I didn't really think about it, but I saw them stop and then there they were. They just kept walking. Well, I went out and, to get my car later on and to reverse it. And, and there that dog had, had left a, a cylinder-shaped gift, um, but not even on the grass. Like they'd left it on the driveway 
And I saw that, and to be honest, like, I was mad. I'm like, I, come on, because you know that if your dog does that thing, right, that you have to pick it up. Like, you can't leave it there. Who's in agreement with me tonight? Okay, so you, you know, that's the thing. You have to, you have to pick it up. So, so anyway, the, the, guy, the guy just obviously left it there, and I'm like, man, I can't believe it. I want to back the car over it, and then it's going to get into the tires. I'm going to bring it back into the garage. So I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, I'm going to take the kids this morning, but before I do that, I'm going to get rid of this thing, right? So have you, have you ever seen that Olympic sport, um, like curling? You know, where they... All right, so, so this is kind of like the stance that I got, and, and, and I've got a stick, and I'm just trying to like roll this thing off the driveway, and, and as I'm trying to do it, um, I'm just, have you ever become aware of the fact that you're just in the presence of other people, like you just know people are around? So I'm like doing this, and, and, and I'm like, oh gosh, and I, I sort of look around, and across the other side of the street are three high school students just looking at me, right, just looking at this white dude in his mid-30s in a pair of slippers just, just rolling a turd down the driveway. That's a weird thing to see, okay? And I felt, I'm like, I can't believe this, right? And as I'm doing it, I'm there, now I'm embarrassed because these high school students are looking at me thinking, this guy's got problems, right? And, and I'm there and I'm thinking, you know what, man? I'm like, how would he like it if, if this happened to him, right? And I started thinking about all these ways I could get back into him. I'm like, I, would, I, I came up with a couple of different ways how I could get even at he, with him, right? The only problem with all of the ways that I had is that we don't, like, we don't even own a dog, so all the thoughts I came up with were just totally inappropriate for a pastor to do in his own neighborhood, okay? So I just, you know, I just decided that I wasn't going to do that. But I had the thought of it, but I didn't act on it, you know? And, and, and you know, why, where did that come from? And I just want to get even, all right? I wanted to get even. It's really easy to feel like you want to get even. I'm going to preach a message on it tonight. It's called Getting Even. We've been in a series called Different. And the series is that, I know sometimes as Christian people, what, what, you know, if you're here and you are a Christian, is that you just want to blend in. It's like, it'd be really cool if you could get through high school and nobody knew that you were a Christian. Or maybe you can make it through uni and not stand out. That's not what God's looking for. God's looking for people that stand out. He actually wants you to be different. So different to the culture that you find yourself in that what you do would stand out and people would take notice and say, man, you're different, but they say it for all the right reasons. And so I'm going to read a scripture to you tonight. It comes out of Matthew, begins in chapter uh, 5. And this is the sermon on the mount. And they call this like not a, not a sermon on the mount, right? This is the sermon on the mount. Jesus was just preaching. He was on fire this day. He was touching on so many different topics and issues. We've spoken about some of those over the past few weeks. And so tonight we're going to touch on another one. So this begins uh, in, in, in ver- chapter 5 and verse 38. You should have it on screen. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Hands up if you've heard that. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Yeah, a lot of people have heard that phrase. It says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, and that is, we're talking about your face cheek, by the way, right? And it's important that you know that for what Jesus tells you to do next. So if anybody slaps you on the right face cheek, right? Turn to him the other also. Now you see why it's important. It says, And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, 
then let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So if we were going to take this idea of getting even and just call it what it is, it's revenge. You know? It's really what it is. It's getting revenge. It's getting even. And with this idea of revenge, if you dress it up to look like justice, you can be okay with it. When revenge is dressed up like justice, you can feel totally comfortable about it. I used to work in recruitment. I won't give you all the details because I probably can't, but, but um, I remember we had an employee this one time and, and, and this girl, she uh, wanted to get a pay rise in her job, but her employer was not going to give it to her. And she was mad about it. And then the employer told us that they actually caught this girl. You know, how is she going to break even? Or how, she's gonna, how is she going to get even with her employer? Well, she did what any normal, rational person would do. She stole all the office supplies. Like she went into the office cupboard, right? And she's taking stuff and she's, oh, that was sarcasm before. Don't do that, okay? So don't steal office supplies from your work. And, and she went and took it. And, and in her mind, if you asked her like, why did you do that? She's like, well, you know, they weren't going to give me a raise. You know, and I'm thinking like, what are you going to do with 15 staplers? You know, like, maybe, maybe her idea was like, I'm going to sell these things on the black market and make up the difference between what I'm worth and what you pay me, right? I don't know what a stapler goes for these days, but she had a lot of work ahead of her. But she did it, and it seems unreasonable, but she was just so crazy about getting even and wanting revenge that what should have been crazy actually became rational thinking. It seemed reasonable to her at that point. And this is probably not that hard to understand. You've heard this saying, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And, and this saying is actually one of the oldest written laws that you will find anywhere uh, on the planet. And in fact, it comes from two, two words. The first one is lex, which means law, and the second word is teleonis, which means retaliation. It's the law of retaliation. And so the idea is, like, initially, the earliest references to this are found in the second millennium BC. So this goes all the way back. And it sounds like uh, something that we wouldn't really want. You know, like Jesus is saying, hey, let's, we can do better than this. But actually, when it was designed, it was this idea that it would be a really merciful law because it limited the vengeance with which somebody could attack somebody that attacked them. So let me show you how this could work. One tribe steals something from another tribe. Okay, well, the law of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth means that though that tribe that just had their stuff pinched, they can't go and kill everybody in the village for stealing their stuff because it would be a disproportionate response to the situation. So this is where this comes from. It limits the vengeance with which anybody could attack another person, right? And if you've ever had a situation where you feel like things have been unjust, you know, like how about everybody in the room tonight? You know, like something was unfair, something was done to you, something was said against you, uh, uh, how, however it happened, and, and you just got you mad, what did you want? You wanted it to be made right. Sometimes we don't just want things to be made right. We want, we want to get even. <clears throat> it's probably more personal than that. 
Uh, we we, we want to punish them till they understand that they did the wrong thing. And it's when that they, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like that's when we feel like they've, we've, we've got even. See, our ideas of getting even with people, or if you're, if you're plotting revenge tonight, you know, your, your, your idea of trying to get even with someone is probably misguided. And it's probably not the right approach. And it wouldn't really matter if you were a Christian tonight. If you're sitting in this church tonight and you're like, I am not a Christian, right? It, this is applying to all the people that are around you. Because I don't care if you've been a Christian for a long time or, or if you're not a Christian. It doesn't matter. It's, it's really hard sometimes to control your emotional state. So sometimes we understand things that are logically true, but our emotions can get the best of us. And we can just respond emotively this, the way that we understand is probably not right in the first place. And so Jesus, in this Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching and he's saying to Christian people that are being persecuted at this time, he speaks to them and he says, guys, I just want you to know that unfair stuff is going to happen to you, right? So there it is. It's going to happen to you. It's going to be unfair. You're not going to enjoy it. You're going to be mad about it. Like unfair stuff is going to happen to you. But Jesus says, but I want to do something. I want you guys to do something. I want to reorientate the goal that you have when somebody hurts you. I want to change the way that you think into such a radically different goal that rather than having the goal of getting even, you would be so different that you'd look at the situation in a totally new way. You know, when it comes to disagreeing with people, the thing that separates us the most is our values. That's where most disagreements are going to come from on planet Earth. If you're ever walking into what you think is uh, like a negotiation with somebody, if you guys can't agree on the same values, you're always going to be coming at different angles, right? Because you just value different things. And so until you can agree on what's valued, then you can't head anywhere together. So this idea of values, it can either separate people. The other good thing it can do, because there's a flip side to this coin, is it can bring unity. And the reason why I tell you about values and how it separates people is that if you read this scripture and you do not understand what Jesus values, you are not going to get what Jesus did. You have to understand what Jesus values first before you can understand why he said what he said. As to the first question that I would ask you tonight, if you've been caught in a situation where it feels unfair, where things feel unjust, where you're sort of frustrated about it or you're mad about it, right? And you're going to try to find a way to make things right, whatever that means to you, the first question I would ask you is, are you even in the right fight? Like, are you 100% are you sure that the thing that you should be fighting for right now is to get even? Is that the fight that you should be in? Are you 100% sure that the thing that you should be doing now as a result of someone bringing pain into your life or, or, or being the recipient of some unjust situation, are you absolutely sure that you have the right goal here? If your goal is in fact to make that person pay, if your goal in fact is to get back at them, are you sure that that's the fight that you should be in? Because I kind of think it might not be. You might want to find yourself fighting for something else, not that. 
And you know, the thing is, is that tonight, if I was to ask you, well, let me do it, let me do it, right? So a little bit of participation tonight. If I was to ask you tonight, is revenge a good idea? Let's just do it by show of hands, right? Hands up if you think revenge is a really good idea. It's always one. And see, most people, most people, some of you are probably thinking, well, revenge is a good idea, but I can't do it here because <laughs> I'm surrounded by all these people, right? So maybe you, you think that. But most people would say, hey, revenge, it's, it's not a good idea. That's not what you should be going after. But, but here's what I've learned. If you can take revenge and you can dress it up so that it looks like justice, you could be totally comfortable with it. You just got to make it look better. You just got to convince yourself that what you're doing is really making things right. You know, it's not revenge. It's just you're making things right. You're, you're setting things straight. You're, you're making things the way that they're supposed to be. You're trying to teach the person a good lesson. Yeah, let's call it a love lesson. Whatever you want, you know. Let's dress that thing up so it looks gorgeous. But what it is, is it's just revenge, and you're convincing yourself that it's a really good idea. And if you do that, you afford the ability to act in the wrong way and feel totally at peace with it. That's how it happens. I've seen that people in life are capable of some crazy things provided they think that it's right, or if they convince themselves that they think it's right. And some people, when, they, when stuff happens to them, you know, when, when, when things go down and they feel like something unjust has come against them, they're so offended that they just make it their life's mission to make sure that they get things even. So they pitch a tent and they set up camp in the, in the Valley of Revenge, you know? And then I'm not moving from this point and I'm camping here until that person pays, until they understand it. I want to tell you tonight that if that's your idea, if that's your idea, you have got to pack up that tent and go home. Just pack up your tent and go home. This is a, this is a bad place to, to camp out. See, here's what you need to know. Revenge is a, be is a dish best never served. It is a dish best never served. Don't do it. Don't go after it. Let me give you a little story. In the last couple of weeks, I had to pick up my son from school, Isaac. So we're driving in the car, and, and because it's school pickup time, it's like a 40 zone, all right? So everyone's driving really slow. And here I am, and I'm, and I'm sitting, and I'm ready to turn out into the traffic, and there's a car maybe a maybe hundred meters down. Now, at 40 kilometers an hour, he's a hundred meters away. That is so much time for me to be able to turn the car and, and, and you know, safely you know, turn into the traffic. So I do that, and then this guy, I mean, maybe he just hates Subarus. I don't know, right? But, but when he saw me turn out, where he broke the 40 zone and he drove so fast right up to the back of me so it's like bumper to bumper. I look in my rear vision mirror and I can see, I can make out the details in his face. I can see his face, right? And, and, and he's mad and he's like, I can see a lot of this happening, a lot of hands moving, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of hand signals and gestures, you know? And, and so I'm like looking at this guy and I'm thinking, man, what is this problem? Now, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know what I should do? 
I should slow this car down to about 15 kilometers an hour. How'd you like that? It's heavy traffic, 15 kilometers an hour is not worth you stopping, getting out and tracking me down, but it's you know fast enough to keep cruising and delay you from wherever you want to get. So, so I'm thinking maybe I'll just slow this guy down. And then I have another thought, and this one's worse than the first one. I think, you know what, he's so close, maybe I'll just jump on the brakes and he can crash into me. Yeah, that's a very self-destructive thought, I'll admit to, to you, okay? But, but the thing is, is that it's not going to cost me a cent because I know legally it's going to be his fault. So I, I probably, I did entertain the idea of doing that, but I couldn't be bothered going through the insurance companies and I don't want to meet this guy anyway. So I thought, bad idea, don't do it, I'm not going to do it. So, so I didn't do it, told you, thought about it, contemplated revenge, didn't do it, right? And, but in all of this stuff, I'm like, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, like, what? Like, I don't know what you want from me, you know? And my son Isaac is in the back seat of the car. And he says, he asked me this question. He goes, Dad? And I said, yeah. And he goes, is that guy an idiot? <laughs> and I, sometimes you really want to tell your kids the truth. And I was like, I really want to tell my son that the man behind me is an idiot. I said, I said no, son. I think we just value different things. Like, like, I value sanity, and he values insanity, you know? We're just, we're just different people, Isaac, you know? Because I'm trying to think, I didn't actually say that, but, but you know, he, he obviously values things that are different to me, this, this other guy. This, somehow we're divided on this. And, 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 you know, even though I, it's, it's amazing how I contemplated trying to get back at this guy so quick. I've only, I haven't even met him. I've just seen him in the rear vision mirror in, in, in my car, and I'm already thinking, how can I get even with this guy? And, and while my son is sitting back there, uh, what a bad example it would be for me to just respond without any kind of filter and just get mad and just blow up in the car and, and all the rest of it, because he's going to see everything that I do, and it's going to teach him something about me. And see, what you need to understand is, is that what you do is more important than what you say you're going to do. Because people can say stuff all the time, but they'll watch what you do. And they'll see the example that you set. And they'll see how you treat other people. And, and, and if you're here tonight and you're a Christian and it's like everyone knows that you are, believe me, the non-Christians are just looking about how you respond. Or how are you going to represent Jesus in this situation? And I think this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. This is exactly his point. And, and I don't think in these moments where Jesus starts to bring up things that are going to hurt and harm these people, his audience, I don't think his goal, he was communicating to them that their goal should be to get even. I don't think that's what he was saying at all. In fact, I think that Jesus had a totally different goal and what he was trying to do was to get everyone else to have the same goal that he did. And what he said to them is, he said, I'm trying to help people that are trying to hurt me. You should make it your goal to try to help the people that are trying to hurt you. And you see how radically different that is? Far be it from getting even. Imagine if you started to help the people that were offending you in the first place. Now, that's a different idea. Jesus has always been about trying to help people that are his enemies. And if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, you're already a recipient of this. Because if you have given your life to Jesus, you should know that there was a time in between when you were born and when you gave your life to Christ, where you were what the Bible would consider to be an enemy of His because everything that you did was anti His kingdom. And yet Jesus came for you when 
You were his enemy. In fact, let me read it to you because it's even better when we begin to read it out. This scripture comes out of Romans chapter 5. He says this in verse 6. For while we were still weak, while we were weak, and when he says weak, he's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about spiritual strength. He says, for while we were weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now, if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want you to take notice of that last sentence that I just read. Because what it does not say is that Christ died for church people. And what it does not say is that Christ died for people that were really good and really kind and really loving. No, it's pretty simple. It's just one category of people that Jesus died for. It's the ones that were ungodly. And see, all Christians are are people that understand that and take Christ up on his offer. Are you with me? Okay, so here's what he says. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from, uh, saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You should know something. When you were Jesus' enemy, when you were far from God, when the world was far from God and had turned its back on him, that was the time he sent his son to the cross. That was the time that he gave up his life for you because he had this thought. It was a radical idea. If I die for these people, I could save the ones that are my enemies, making them part of my church, part of my ecclesia, part of my called out ones, part of my community. I could destroy all of my enemies by making them followers of me. It's a totally different idea. And he's not the only one to say this. In fact, this is what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Wouldn't that be the the grandest of all ideas? Would be to get rid of your enemies by just making them your friends? Isn't that a far better goal than getting even in, in the first place? Jesus speaking to this audience as he's preaching this incredible sermon on the mount. He says, if I'm gonna get these guys to reach people that are far from me. He knows he's going to die. So he says, I've got to try to get these people that are listening to this message. I've got to get them to be so radically different. They're going to have to respond in such a radically different way that it would grab the attention of people the world over and that they would say, where do you get the strength to act so gracious when people are trying to harm you and speak against you? It would be such a different thought that far from getting revenge and just being like everyone else, just being normal, it's normal to get revenge. What do we say in this series? Normal is overrated. Don't go for normal. Be different. Capture the attention of the world in such a way that they say, who are you? And you say, well, the thing is, is that I'm just, I'm a follower of Jesus. See, the whole reason that Jesus is teaching this is to get people's attention so that they can be pointed towards Christ. See, the, the, the whole idea is that the example you set is more important than the revenge that you get. The example you set is more important than the revenge that you get. 
Because when you set the right example, people are watching. When you send the right example, it reaches people that are far from God. And it takes what would ordinarily be a totally different circumstance and it turns it into an opportunity to do something that no one else would even think about doing. There's a great Russian novelist, Leo Tolstoy, and he did extensive work on this passage. He read it and read it and read it over again about what Jesus did and and he came away with this one idea that all Christians were supposed to be pacifists. So much to the point that when his uh, son-in-law and his daughter were being robbed in an alley, he stood back and allowed them to be robbed because he thought that Christians shouldn't be given in any way to any kind of violence. And he would go even so far as to say that if you're a Christian, you should never be involved in a war. If you're a Christian, you should never be involved in law enforcement. You should never be a security guard. You know, if you want to be a Christian, in fact, they even made a movie about this. It's called Hacksaw Ridge. It's about a guy who just said, I refuse to harm another person. It's my, it's my belief, and I, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do that. And he ends up being, you know, kind of a hero for doing it. But I, when, when I look at this idea of being a total pacifist, I would say that Leo has confused justice and revenge. See, justice is about making things right. And revenge is about getting even. And they're totally different things. And if you think in your mind, well, I'm just making things right, is it possible that you've actually dressed up revenge to make it look like justice? Are you certain that that's the fight that you should be in? Are you absolutely convinced that your goal should be to make things right? Is that your job? Is that your responsibility? Is that really what you want to do? Jesus says, I'm going to give you four examples. And they're such great examples because the ones that he gave his audience are 100% relevant for everyone that listens today. He says, I'm going to give you four ways that people will try to hurt you in life. And then I'm going to tell you what you should do about it. And in the very first example that he gave us, the one that we read tonight, it says, when somebody slaps you, and the idea of this slap, it's a, it's a backhanded slap, which is designed to be an insult. And he says, if someone was to, to backhanded slap you, you know, how, how would you respond to it? And what did he say? He said, I want you to, to turn the other cheek. There would be people that are here tonight and people have completely insulted you. People have either verbally or maybe even physically, but most likely verbally, they've insulted you. Metaphorically speaking, they've given you a backhanded slap. I'll give you a good example of one that happened to me. Years ago, before I took over Activate Church um, to be the senior pastor, I was just an associate pastor on staff. And we already worked it out that I was going to take over the church and we told the church and <clears throat> I went to a pastor's conference. And uh, actually, it was just a conference, and we met a pastor there, and we were chatting, and I knew this guy, and uh, he said, hey, so what's happening in your world? I said, well, I'll tell you what's happening. I said, I'm actually taking over Activate Church, and I'm going to be the senior pastor. And let me tell you the thing, that the comment that he said to me next. He said, oh, really? He said, yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you hang around long enough, someone will give you a shot. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, what are you going to do with that? Like, can we have an interpretation for that word, please? Yes, we can. <laughs> You're average, but you've stuck around long enough. I guess they're just going to give you a go, and good luck with that. It's kind of how it felt when he said it. It's kind of what I, what I heard, right? 
Now, what could I have done at that moment? Well, you know, I could have made it my personal mission to attack this guy over the last five years, could have camped out in the Valley of Revenge, you know, and make it, my ministry goals have completely shifted. I just want to destroy his ministry, right? But, but, <laughs> but what would be the point of that? And where do I win in that? What's my plan? Is what every time I talk with another pastor, I'm going to say, hey, you know what that guy said five years ago? You know, you know what he said to me? What a, what a dumb goal that would be. You know, to make it my mission to destroy whatever God's trying to do through him. And so you know what I did? I just let it go. Because you know what? It, it doesn't matter to me. I don't actually even need his approval. I'm going to go and do what God's called me to do, whether he thinks it's a good idea or not. I wasn't asking him if he was okay with it. So you know what I did? I just let it go. And I'll tell you what, I'm so glad that I did, because I reckon that that guy totally miscommunicated what he was trying to say on that day anyway, because immediately after that, he was nothing but encouraging to me, and I would have totally lost out on that had I responded in a wrong way, had I responded badly. But I didn't do it, so I just let it go. I mean, even Elsa the Disney princess can get it, so if she can get it, you can get it. Hey, let it go. Because you know the person it'll hold back? You. It actually does. It will hold back your life from the things that God wants to do in you. So what's the first one? Slapped. Second one, sued. What if someone sues you? What if you just get totally ripped off? How are you going to handle that? Back in this day, people could sue you and they could take your shirt. They could take the shirt off your back. But people would have an outer garment, like a cloak, right? And they could sue you and take your cloak, but oftentimes it wasn't really worth it because you had to have one. It was just a custom. So even if they took it from you, they'd have to give it back to you at the end of the day anyway. So this is a whole waste of time, you know? And, and, and you know what Jesus says? He says, Man, if somebody sues you and they try to take your shirt, why don't you just give them your cloak? Just, just give them your cloak, you know, let them have that too. And that is such a radically different idea. It's extremely generous, way beyond anything that anyone would expect. expect. It would be as if you said, here, have my cloak. People would say, why are you giving this to me? Why are you so generous? It's just generous enough to capture people's attention. He says, if you're sued, this is how you respond. What if you're a slave? What if it's forced labor? You know, back in this day, a Roman soldier, because they occupied this territory, they could compel uh, the Jewish people to carry their stuff a distance of no greater than one mile. But they could convince anyone that they should carry it one mile. And the Jewish people hated this, right? First of all, they didn't even like being ruled over by the Romans anyway. But the fact that they could make them do this stuff drove them crazy. And Jesus says, you know what? You know how, you know how the Romans can force you to take something one mile? And everyone's like, yeah. He, he says, well, how about this? Why don't you do two? They're like, you've lost your mind, Jesus. Are you serious? This is the craziest thing you've ever said. First of all, we don't want to serve them. He says, yeah, but that's... That's what everyone does. What if you were different? What if you weren't like everyone else? What if you didn't do the minimum? What if you went way beyond it? The first mile, everyone can do that. But what if you said, hey, I just want to honor you, Mr. Roman soldier that's oppressing my people and hate me. Uh, I just really want to honor you. So if it will be okay with you, I'm going to carry your stuff the next mile. And the Roman soldier would be like, where are you? What? This guy is weird, you know, right? Yeah, because he didn't do the minimum. He went way beyond it, just far enough to capture someone's attention and say, hey, why'd you do that? And it invites an opportunity where there would otherwise be offense. 
What's the first one? When you get slapped, how are you going to respond? What about when you get uh, sued? That's about being ripped off. What about being treated like a slave and being treated unfairly? And, and, and because the Holy Spirit speaks in alliterations, I had to find another S word that was going to represent the last p- category, which is how do you s- help somebody that's really poor? Strapped. You're like, yeah, well, you're welcome. So what do you do when someone's strapped and they come to you? How generous are you going to be? You know, the thing is, is that you, can, you don't have to be generous and no one's going to know except you and God. You could totally get away with this. And I told you that sometimes you can, you can dress up things and make it look like justice. You can dress up things so that you can feel better about the way that you act. So I'll just tell you a story about how I did this. I literally walked out of a Christian bookstore in the middle of the city, and there was a man standing there, and he said to me, can I please have some money? And I was like, oh, okay, like this guy's definitely going to spend it on drugs. Like, I, I, I don't want to give this guy any money. And, and I said, okay, so, so, so you tell me, w- what's the money for? He says, oh, well, you know, the, it, it's for my medication, my schizophrenic medication. I'm like, oh, really? And you what? You just wanted me to give you 50 bucks, right? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Would that be okay? And I'm like, hmm. I said, tell you what, why don't we do this? Where is the place where you're going to get the medication from? He says, around the corner. I said, is it? I said, well, how about this? Why don't we walk together and I'll pay for it over the counter. How about we do that? And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'm thinking, my money is safe, right? So I said, sure, let's do it. He's like, oh, good, come with me. So we start walking, and we start going down the escalators, you know, and we're going down the escalator, you know, towards the bottom. And this is in Melbourne Central, and we're chatting the whole way. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, this guy's committed Like, he's just having a conversation. But when we get to the escalator, he's going to be like, can I have that 50 bucks? So we get to the bottom of the escalator, and he's like, oh, it's just a bit further. And I'm like, all right, just want to make sure I'm not going to be robbed anywhere. And and, and so we we travel a a bit further, and we get to the pharmacy. And and when we get to the pharmacy, we're standing out the front of it. And I'm thinking, aha, now here is the spot where he's going to ask me for the 50 bucks. And he he says, it's just inside. And I'm, I'm like... I'm thinking he's going to tell me that he needs to take my money and he's going to go in and pay for it, but I don't need to go any further. So I'm, I'm kind of, this is what I think is happening in, in my head. And he says, hey, why don't you come with me and, 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 and let's go in. We're, we're just going to walk to the back, right? I'm like, this guy is so committed to this lie. He is so deep right now. You know what he's thinking? We're going to get to the pharmacy, you know, the, the counter there at the back of the chemist. And then he's going to say to me, now can I have the 50 bucks? And we get towards the, the, the pharmacist, you know, and he's standing there. And I'm thinking it's all about to go down. And he calls out to the pharmacist and he's like, you know, hey, Frank. And he's like, oh, hey, Bill. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the pharmacist is in on it. (laughs) He's in on it. This is a sting. They're all trying to get 50 bucks from me. I can't believe it. They're all in on it, right? And, and, and the guy says to me, and he has already worked out all the relationships with all the staff there. And, and so he looks at me and he, and he looks at the pharmacist and he says, this guy is going to pay for my medication. And the pharmacist, he looks at me and he goes, are you really going to do that? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I am. You know, I guess I have to now since we've come this far. And, and, and I did. And you know, the whole way, the whole way, the whole way, I'm like, this guy is out to rip me off. And if you carry that spirit all the time, 
you can you can alleviate yourself of the responsibility of being generous because you can just convince yourself this person's not using it right they're not using it the way that i would spend it i'm not telling you to be crazy with your money you still got to be a great steward of it but don't you see that if you just see things one way you're going to miss the opportunity to do something better you could have a far better goal than the one that you may have already had this is what jesus says he goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 5, and he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? You know, come on, if you just love the ones that are loving you, what reward do you have? Do, you, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And uh, if you greet only the, your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He's saying, you've got to have a better goal than this. Don't, 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 don't just do what everyone else expects. You can go, go beyond it. You can be different. So radically different that it would capture people's attention. And they would say, ah, oh, how do you get the strength to respond like this? How do you just so quickly move past insults? Why are you so generous when people try to take advantage of you? Why are you acting like this? And it's just another opportunity to look at those people and say, well, you know, the thing is, I just, I just serve my God. I'm not, I'm not too worried about what people say. I'm not too worried about what people think. My identity is so intact that you can say anything to me and I can still find a way to be generous in the midst of insults because none of that bothers me. I know who I am. And I'm a child of God. And I know that in any situation, in any circumstance, I know how I can respond. So you can be normal and blend in. Or you could be different and change the world. You could be like everyone else. Just blend in. Hope that no one notices you. And if you're successful with that, just coast through life, hopefully with the least amount of conflict possible or you could be different and you could change the world you could see things differently see how you handle hard things is some of the best silent preaching that you'll ever do you want to know why because the example you set is more important than the revenge that you get because people look at how you respond they look at how you act marcus aurelius he said this the best revenge is to be unlike the one who performed the injury That's the best revenge. To change the person who's trying to harm you. To change the person. This is the different goal that Jesus was speaking about. And I think this is what I think you need to do. Is that if you're in your heart, you've got some unjust situation, something that's unfair, something that you're, you're still mad about, something that you feel needs to be made even. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to God before you go to them. I want you to see God before you seek revenge. And I've got this feeling that if you do, that it just might change what you're fighting for. It might change the way you feel about it. You're not fighting for revenge anymore. You're fighting for something so much better than that. It's to help and change the person who's trying to harm you. I want to read one more scripture to you tonight. This is what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. You won't have this on screen. I just want to read it to you. It says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So when people rejoice, we rejoice. When people weep, we weep. When people persecute, we bless. That's the point of difference. That's, that's where we're different. It goes on to say, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. I think that another way that you could say that is an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Let me just explain what that last passage means because you might think, aha, there you go, finally. He wants to set him on fire. All right, well, in this time, it would get pretty cold in the desert at night. So they would keep in their hats, they would keep burning coals, and they would just store them in their hats. And so if you were out in the middle of the desert and it was cold, right, you would take that burning coal out and you would set that thing on fire to make sure that you could stay warm. See, he's saying, you know, feed them when they're hungry. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Invite them into your hospitality. Be generous to them when they've got nothing to give you. It's like giving them, it's serving them. You know, it's like looking, you're looking after them. You know, and, and you, you start, instead of laying your hands on them for the wrong reason, you start to lay your hands on them for the right reasons. It's like, it's like heaping burning coals on their heads. It's like saying, I care about you. I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to feel like that anymore. I, I, I'm just going to keep blessing you and you can hate me and it's cool and I'm okay with it because I don't really care what you say anyway. My identity is found and secure in God. So here's what I'm going to do. You can do what you want to me, but I choose to bless you. You can persecute me, but I'm going to help you because I want to be different. I want to be different. He says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. With good. I want you to stand to your feet tonight. Hey, thanks for listening to the Activate Church Weekly Podcast. We hope you are encouraged today and we would love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to activatechurch.com.